0: Welcome to the Academy Tech Talks. My name is Sabrina, and I want to welcome you to a very special episode as we are re releasing our 2020 Christmas Carol radio play, starring Tom Fulton and the classes of 2021 and 2022.
1: Happy Holidays!
0: From the Academy of the Performing Arts.
2: The phantom slowly, gravely, silently approached, scattering gloom and misery. It was shrouded in a deep black garment, which concealed its head, its face, its form, and left nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand. Its mysterious presence filled Scrooge with a solemn dread.
3: I am in the presence of the ghosts of Christmas yet to
2: come. The spirit answered not, but pointed onward with its hand.
3: You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, but
2: will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? The upper portion of its garment was contracted for an instant in its folds, as if the spirit had inclined its head. That was the only answer he received... I could see nothing but a spectral hand and one great heap of black.
3: Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any spectre I have seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear you company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me?
2: It gave him no reply. The hand was pointed straight before them. Lead
3: on, lead on. The night is waning fast and it is precious time to
2: me, I know. Lead on, spirit. Scrooge followed in the shadow of its dress. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring out all about. Spirit stopped besides one little knot of businessmen and women. Scrooge advanced to listen to their talk. (laughs)
4: <laughs> no, I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Why,
1: what was martyr with him? I thought he'd never die.
4: Oh, God knows. What has he done with his
0: money? I haven't heard. Left it to his company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to
4: me. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's likely to be a very cheap funeral, for upon my life I don't know of anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer.
1: I don't mind going if a lunch is provided, but I must be fed if I make one. <laughs>
4: well, I'm the most disinterested among you, after all. For I never wear black gloves, and I never eat lunch. But I'll offer to go, if anybody else will. when I come to think of it, I'm not at all sure that I wasn't his most particular friend. for We used to stop and speak whenever we met. Welp, it's the hour, gentlemen. bye bye
2: The phantom glided into a street. Its finger pointed to two other persons meeting. He knew these businesswomen perfectly. They were shrewd investors, very wealthy, and of great importance.
0: How are you? How are you? Well, old Scratch has got his own at last, eh? So I'm told. Cold, isn't it? Seasonable for Christmas time. Great day for skating. Oh, yes. Quite. Oh, you're not a skater, I suppose? No, no. Something else to think of. Good morning.
2: Not another word. That was their meeting, their conversation, and their parting. They left the busy scene and went to an obscure part of town where Scrooge had never penetrated before, although he recognized its situation and its bad repute. The ways were foul and narrow, the shops and houses wretched, the people half-naked, drunken, slipshod, ugly. Alleys and archways, like so many cesspools, disgorged their offenses of smell and dirt and life upon the straggling streets, and the whole quarter reeked with crime, with filth and misery. Sitting in among the wares he dealt in by a charcoal stove made of old bricks was a gray-haired old rascal nearly seventy years of age, who had screened himself from the cold air without by a frowsy curtaining of miscellaneous tatters hung upon a line and smoked his pipe in a luxury of calm retirement. Scrooge and the Phantom came into the presence of this man just as a woman with a heavy bundle slunk into the shop. But she had scarcely entered when another woman, similarly laden, came in too, and she was closely followed by a man in faded black, who was no less startled by the sight of them than they had been upon the recognition of each other. After a short period of blank astonishment, in which the old man with the pipe had joined them, they all three burst into a laugh. <laughs>
4: alone to be the first, let the laundress alone to be the second, and let the undertaker's man alone to be
1: the third. Look at you, old Joe. Here's a chance. Haven't we all three met here without meaning it? You couldn't have met in a better place. Come into the parlor.
0: Quite a small bundle you got there, Miss Dilber. <laughs>
1: Stop <laughs> till I shut the door of the shop! Ah, uh, how it squeaks! <laughs> ha, ha, ha. all suitable to our calling.
5: We're well matched.
1: Come into the parlor. Come into the parlor.
2: The woman, who had already spoken, threw her bundle on the floor and sat down in a flaunting manner on a stool, crossing her elbows on her knees and looking with a bold defiance at the other two.
0: What odds, then? What odds, Miss Dilber? Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true indeed. No man more so. Why, then? Don't stand staring as if you was afraid, woman? Who's the wiser? <laughs> We're not going to pick holes in each other's coats, I suppose. Oh, indeed.
1: I w- we should hope not.
0: <laughs> Very well then. <laughs> That's enough. Who's the worse for
4: the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. <laughs> no, indeed, if you wanted to keep him after he was dead, a wicked old screw, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death instead of lying, gasping out his last alone by himself. It's a judgment on him.
1: I wish it was a little heavier judgment, and it should have been. You may depend upon it if I could have laid my hands on anything else. Undertaker. Show your plunder. Look here, Joe. Not so dear. I warn you. But here's a seal and another. A pencil case, a pair of sleeve buttons, and a brooch. Must be great value in that, old Joe.
2: They were severally examined and appraised by old Joe, who chalked to the sums he was disposed to give for each upon the wall and added them up into a total when he had found there was nothing more to come.
1: That's your count. Oh, why, Joe, don't be stingy. And I wouldn't give another sixpence if I was to be boiled for not doing it. Who's
2: next? Mrs. Dilber, the laundress, was next.
4: Here you go, Joe. Sheets all nicely ironed and folded. And look at these easy towels, soft as a feather, ain't they? A little, ahem, wearing apparel, not to be indelicate. Look at these, Joe. Two old-fashioned silver teaspoons. Here's a pair of sugar tongs and a two pair of boots, near brand new and polished so you can well now see yourself.
2: Old Joe marked her account on the wall as before.
1: I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine, and that's the way I ruin myself. That's your account. Ah, darn. If you asked me for another penny and made it an open question, I'd repent on
2: being so liberal and knock off half a crown.
0: Now undo my bundle, Joe.
2: Up stepped the charwoman with a bundle the size of a butchered pig. (laughs)
0: Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Speak out plain. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for them to see it. We know pretty well that we were helping ourselves before we met here, I believe. It's no sin. Open that bundle, Joe.
2: Joe went down on his knees for the greater convenience of opening it, and having unfastened a great many knots, dragged out a large and heavy roll of some dark stuff.
1: What do you call this? Head curtains? <laughs> you don't mean to say you took them down, rings and all, with him lying there?
0: Yes, I do. Why not?
1: You were born to make your fortune, and you'll certainly do it.
0: I certainly shadowed my hand when I can get anything in by reaching it out. For the sake of such a man as he was, I promise you, Joe, DON'T DROP THAT OIL UPON THE BLANKETS
1: NOW! BLANKETS? IN BLANKETS?
0: Whose elses do you think? He isn't likely to take code without them, I dare say.
1: I hope he didn't die of anything...
2: etching, eh?
0: Don't you be afraid of that. I ain't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things, if he did.
2: Old Joe looked up at her with a sickly grin, and then pulled out a wrinkled silk shirt. Ah.
0: Uh... Look through that shirt till your eyes ache. But you won't find a hole in it, nor threadbare place. It's the best he had in a fine one, too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't
1: been for me. What do you call wasting it?
0: Why, putting it on him to be buried in, to be sure. Somebody was fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. <laughs> if Calico ain't good enough for such a purpose, it isn't good enough for anything. It's quite as becoming to the body. He can't look uglier than he did in that one. (laughs) (laughs) Produce that money bag, Joe, and lay out my several gains. This is the end of it, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive. (laughs) To profit us when he was
3: dead! (laughs) (laughs) Spirits! I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now.
2: The phantom spread its dark robe before him for a moment like a wing, and withdrawing it revealed a room by daylight, where a young mother and her children were. She was expecting someone, and with anxious eagerness, for she walked up and down in the room, starting at every sound, looking out from the window, glancing at the clock, trying but in vain to work with her needle, and could hardly the voices of the children in their play. At length, the long-expected footsteps on the front porch were heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed. Though he was young, there was a remarkable expression in it now, a kind of serious delight of which he felt ashamed and which he struggled to repress. He sat down to the dinner that had been kept warm for him by the fire, and she asked him faintly...
4: What news?
2: He appeared embarrassed how to answer.
4: Is it good or bad? Bad. We are quite ruined.
1: No. There's hope yet, Caroline. Caroline.
4: If he relents, there is. Nothing is past hope if such a miracle has happened.
2: He's past relenting. He's dead. She was a mild and patient creature if her face spoke truth. But she felt such a surge of hope when her husband spoke the word and inexplicably laughed. To
4: whom will our debts be transferred?
2: I don't know. But before that time,
1: we shall be ready with the money. And even though we were not, it would be a bad fortune indeed to
3: find so merciless a creditor and his successor. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline.
2: Yes, their hearts were lighter. The children's faces hushed and clustered round to hear what they so little understood were brighter. And it was a happier house for this man's death. The only emotion that the ghost could show him caused by the event... ...was one of pleasure. The specter swept his hand across his being and pointed down to a shape. Something that filled Scrooge with panic. Merciful heaven, what is this? He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed and now he almost touched a bed. A bare uncurtained bed on which beneath the ragged sheet there lay a uh, something covered up which though it was dumb announced itself in awful language rooms dark pale light rising in the outer air fell straight on the bed and on it plundered and bereft unwatched unwept for uncared for was the body of a man. Scrooge glanced towards the phantom. Its steady hand was pointed to the head. The cover was so carelessly adjusted that the slightest raising of it, the motion of a finger upon Scrooge's part would have disclosed a face. He thought of it, felt how easy, it would be to do, and long to do it, but he had no more power to withdraw the veil than to dismiss the specter at his side. O
4: oh, cold, cold,
5: rigid,
4: dreadful death, set up thy altar here, and treasure us such a as thou so hast at thy command. Hands. For this is thy dominion. Strike, shadow, strike, shag, strike. Shag. And, and see his good deeds springing from the womb to sow the world with life, life and immortal.
2: No voice pronounced these words in Scrooge's ears, and yet he heard them when he looked down upon the bed.
0: Ebenezer Scrooge, if this if man could be raised, raised up down,
4: now, what would be his, his foremost thoughts? Avarice, hard, hard dealing, gripping cares—they
1: have, have brought him to a rich end. end.
2: The cat was tearing at the door, and there was a sound of gnawing rats beneath the hearthstone. What they wanted in the room of death, and why they were so restless and disturbed, Scrooge did not dare to think.
3: Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me. Let us
2: go. Still, the ghost pointed with an unmoved finger to the head.
3: I understand you, and I would do it if I could, but I have not the power, Spirit.
2: I have not the power. Again, the dark specter seemed to look upon him.
3: If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, show that person me, Spirit. I beseech you! Spirit, I beg you, let me see some tenderness connected with the death. Oh, that dark chamber spirit, which we left just now, will be forever present in me.
2: The ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet. And as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself. But nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house. The dwelling he had visited before and found the mother and the children seated round the fire. Quiet. Very quiet. The noisy little cratchets were as still as statues in one corner, and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mother and her daughter were engaged in sewing, but surely they were very quiet. Peter read from the book.
4: And he took a child and set him in the midst of them.
2: Where had Scrooge heard those words? He had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them out. As he and the spirit crossed the threshold. Why did he not go on? The mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face.
4: The color it's my eyes. The color. Ah, oh, poor Tiny Tim! They're better now again. It makes him weak by candlelight, and I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time. Past it, rather. But I think he has walked a little slower than he used these few last evenings, mother.
2: They were very quiet again. At last, she said, and in a steady, cheerful voice that only faltered once,
0: I have known him walk." I have known
4: him walk with tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. And so have I, often. And so have I. And all of us. But he was very light to carry, and his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble. And there's your father at the door.
2: She hurried out to meet him. And little Bob, in his comforter, he had need of it, poor fellow, came in. His tea was ready for him on the hob and they all tried who should help him to it the most. Then the two young Cratchits got up upon their knees and laid each child a little cheek against his face, as if they said,
4: Don't mind it, Father. Don't be grieved.
2: Bob was very cheerful with them and spoke pleasantly to all the family. He looked at the work upon the table and praised the industry and speed of Mrs. Cratchit and the girls they would be done long before sunday he said
4: sunday you went today then robert
1: yes my dear oh i wish you could have gone it would have done you good to see how green a place is but you'll see it often I promised him i would walk there on a sunday a little little child my little child
2: He broke down all at once. He couldn't help it. If he could have helped it, he and his child would have been farther apart, perhaps, than they were. He left the room. He went upstairs into the room above, which was lighted cheerfully and hung with Christmas. They all drew about the fire and talked, and the girls and mother working still.
1: My dear, I met Mr Scrooge's nephew on the street today, and seeing that I looked a little well uh, just a little down, you know, and he inquired upon what had happened to distress me. Upon which foot he is the pleasantest spoken gentleman you've ever heard, I told him. I'm heartily sorry for it, Mr Cratchit, he said. And heartily sorry for your good wife. By the by, how we ever knew that I don't know.
3: You knew what, my dear?
1: Why, that you are a good wife. Everybody knows that. Very well observed, my boy. I hope they do. Heartily sorry, he said, for your good wife. If I can be of service to you in any way, he said, give me his card. That's where I live. Pray come to me. Now, it wasn't for the sake of anything he might be able to do for us, so much as for his kind way, that this was quite delightful. It really seemed as if he had known our tiny Tim and felt with us. I'm sure he's a good soul. You'd be sure of it, my dear, if you saw and spoke to him. But I should not be at all surprised. Mark what I say. If he got Peter a better situation... Only hear
0: that,
4: Peter! Oh, get along with you.
1: It's just as likely as not one of these days. Though there's plenty of time for that, my dear. However, whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall, none of us, forget poor tiny Tim. Shall we? Shall we? Or this first pardon that there was among us.
4: Never, 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 father.
1: And I know. I know, Martius And when we recollect how patient and mild he was, although he was a little, little child, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor tiny Tim in doing it.
5: No, 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 never, father.
1: I am very happy. I'm very happy.
2: Mrs. Cratchit kissed him. His daughters kissed him. The two young Cratchits kissed him. And Peter and himself shook hands. Spirit of Tiny Tim, thy childish essence was from God.
3: Spectre. Something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how.
2: Tell me what man that was, whom we saw lying dead. The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him, as before, to a churchyard. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge advanced towards it, trembling.
3: Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be, or are they the shadows of the things that may
2: be only? Still, the ghost pointed downward to the grave by which it stood.
3: Spirit, men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change.
2: Say it is thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards the gravestone, trembling as he went, and following the finger red upon the stone of the neglected grave, his own name. Jesus Scrooge. I, that man who lay upon the bed. The finger pointed from the grave to him and back again.
3: No, spirit. Oh, no, no!
2: The finger was still there.
3: Ooh. Spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been. Why show me this if I am past all hope? No.
2: First time the hand appeared to shake.
3: Good spirit, your nature intercedes me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. The kind hand trembled. My dear good spirit, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that
2: they teach. Oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing on the stone. In his agony he caught the spectral hand. It sought to free itself, but he was strong in his entreaty and detained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him. Holding his hands up in a last prayer to have his fate reversed, he saw an alteration... In the phantom's hood and dress, it shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost.
5: Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly. It is the night of